As always, we're blessed with wonderful, wonderful worship. Thank the worship team. Well, there was a man being arraigned on car theft charges, and the judge asked the man, why did you steal the car? And the man answered, I had to get to work. The judge then asked, well, why didn't you just take the bus? And the man replied, well, I didn't have a driver's license for the bus. Okay, well, you'll get it, you'll get it. No, you won't get it. All right, well. There, coming from the man who tells really good jokes. <laughs> All right, now that we've gotten over the silliness, uh, we want to talk about straight answers. That's going to be the title of this series, Straight Answers, starting a new series, and I've entitled the message this morning, Questions. Lord, love humor, love worship. Most of all, love you, Lord. And so now as we turn toward your word, and we're going to look at a very serious question this morning, I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just manifest yourself. That you truly would just give us soft hearts to really receive and ears to hear your truth. For your truth, if we live it out, if we really place our faith and trust in it, will bring freedom to our lives. I ask that you fill me from the soles of my feet to the crown of my head. I ask truly that I would speak your words. I just invite you now, Holy Spirit, again, that you would just manifest yourself in great power. May Jesus now be glorified, and I ask for this in your precious name. Amen. Some years ago, a man by the name of Dr. Gregory Stock, he wrote a best-selling book entitled The Book of Questions. Skip, you can put up the book cover. Amazingly, all this book does is just ask questions. No answers, no opinions, no commentary, just questions, and people loved it. Let me just give you one question from that book. If you've learned that you are going to die in a few days, what regrets would you have? And why haven't you done anything about those regrets? The fact of the matter is we love questions. The reason why we love questions is because we're curious. Uh, we, we like to learn. In fact, questions often can bring clarity in our minds about certain topics and certain subjects. And generally, questions are a good thing, but questions aren't always a good thing. One of the major tools of Satan, by the way, is questions. In fact, his opening line to Eve was, did God really say? Now, that wasn't an honest inquiry. Satan didn't want to know information about God or what God thought. He already knew what God thought. His whole goal was through this question, the tool of question, is to create doubt and cause her to stumble. So I want to just get personal for a moment. Let's talk about the questions that you have for God or about God. Are the questions that you have, are they really coming from a heart of humility? Is your real desire to know more about God, to learn his perspective on things, to get an understanding about God and what he thinks? Or is are your questions that you have, are they really an attempt to see, hey, is there some contradictions here, maybe some loopholes? Therefore, I can justify the way I do things in my actions. You know, when I'm at this Jesus Soda survey, I often run into people who really don't have honest questions. I mean, they will ask me, they'll say, how can you tell me that there is a good God and this good God allows all of this suffering, all of this evil in the world? If God is so good, then why does he allow bad things to happen to good people? 
clearly the inference is they're one of those good people too. In fact, just several weeks ago, I had a young woman, maybe 22 or 23, hit me right with those questions. Now, I want to say, there's nothing wrong with those questions, but there was everything wrong with this woman's heart. All she was looking to do was clear she wasn't looking for information. She wasn't looking to get God's perspective. What she was trying to demonstrate is that God is a jerk and he's a moral monster, and therefore I am justified in living selfishly, in living narcissistically, and being angry. And in that case, that's not a good thing. You know, I've received a lot of questions from you, and I appreciate that. That's a great thing. Now, as I said last week, I'm not sure that we're going to be able to answer all of the questions that were asked, but I will tell you I'll make every effort to do it, and most of all, I will answer those questions where there certainly is a multiplicity uh, you know, of, of, of times that we see that particular question. My hope, by the way, in looking at these questions and studying these questions is that we are really going to be seeking to understand God, his perspective how he views things, how he understands things, and then we're going to align our thinking and our actions with his wisdom. So the question that we're going to look at this morning is probably a question that almost everyone here is interested in. It's a question of suicide. Suicide has very much been in the news. For example, Kate Spade, she was a fairly well-known designer, and Anthony Bourdain, a well-known renowned chef, Both of these people recently took their lives. And you know what was really disturbing to people about them taking their lives? What was really disturbing is that these people from a worldly perspective had arrived. These people were either at the near or the top of their game. I mean, think about it. They had money. They had fame. They had power. They had notoriety. They had prestige. They had everything that the world said should make you happy make you successful. I mean, they had arrived. And yet there was something missing in their lives. So much so that these people actually took their lives. You know, suicide is tragically becoming an epidemic in the U.S. In the last 20 years, suicide has risen 30%. There are now close to 45,000 suicides occur every year in the United States. In fact, there are more deaths by suicides now in the United States than fatalities in car accidents. Women attempt suicide three times more than men do, but men are three times more successful at completing suicide than women are. And finally, studies show that there are more suicide attempts among gay, lesbian, and bisexual high school students than their heterosexual counterparts. Now, as I said earlier, suicide is clearly on the rise in this country. And the obvious question is, why? Why are suicides increasing in this country when we have so many blessings and, you know, we're so prosperous? And what I'm going to tell you in the next several minutes probably will get me in a lot of hot water with a lot of you. But let me tell you something. The time has come, certainly in the American church, in America, for Pastors and teachers to quit pandering to the congregations. What America needs more than anything else, what the American church needs more than anything else, is a strong dose of reality and truth. So what I seek to pray and I promise to give you is truth. 
absolute truth, not my opinion. Not my opinion. I am absolutely astounded at the number of pastors and teachers who stand up here and give you their opinions on very important topics. Your soul's life and death hangs in the balance, and they're giving you their opinion. It matters not one whit what I think, what you think, what any pastor thinks, what any teacher thinks on some of these very important topics. What matters is truth. You know... Oftentimes, you know, in the Jesus Soda survey, I will have someone say, you know, well, I just, I'll ask them, do you believe in heaven and hell? Well, I don't believe in heaven and hell. And I'll say, you know what? I don't believe there's a moon. (laughs) They look at me like, what? I don't believe there's a moon. So does that make it mean that there's no moon? No, just because I believe something doesn't make it so. No, no, we, 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 we just got to smarten up. What matters is what is true. Someone says, well, I feel, I didn't ask you how you felt. I asked you if it's true. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. I am amazed. I am astounded at how pastors and teachers actually give your opinions on suicide. And I understand they're trying to bring comfort. I I get it. I've been at this thing for 33 years. But you know what? To give people a false impression and to leave them with a false impression is dead wrong. Dead wrong. And so I have every intent of forcing you to grapple with truth and with the Holy Spirit, not with Frank Ray. So what I'd like to do is I want to look at some scriptures because suicide is a very serious matter. In fact, we're going to look at three of them. The first scripture is found in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 6, and it states this. The Lord gave both death and life. He brings some down to the grave, and he lifts others up. What this scripture is clearly saying is that God is the creator. God is the creator of everything. Do you understand that? He's the creator of you. He is the creator of me. He is the creator of all life. And what that means is, since he's the creator, guess what? He makes the rules. He makes the laws. You know, oftentimes I'll get people coming up to me, and, and, and the clear inference is, I don't like how God's running the universe. No, <laughs> seriously. I don't like how God's running the universe. And I tell them, you know, when you create your own universe, then you can make your own rules. Scripture number two, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must, so you must honor God with your body. That is not a suggestion. He is writing this now. So if you're not a born-again believer and you don't consider yourself a believer, you can exempt yourself from this, although you will have to answer when you die before Jesus. But the clear inference here is that if you are truly born again, you no longer own your own life. In fact, the picture being painted here by Paul (coughs) is a heinous picture. It's a picture of slavery. Skip put up the picture. That is grotesque. That is what is some of... American history is about, and I, we do owe an apology 
to all black people for that. I can tell you that. That was wrong. And slavery is what's being painted here. And Paul is saying, whether we like it or not, at one time we were all slaves. We all were full of strongholds. We were full of addictions. In fact, Satan, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, he was our master. Skip, can you put that picture up? I guess you got the picture up. You see, one of the great illusions of American people is that we have the notion that we're free. Now, July 4th is coming up, and God knows I love my freedom. I do love this country, and, and, I, I, and I pray we never lose the external freedom. But just because you have external freedom does not mean that you are free. Please do not make that mistake. So many people think, oh, well, I, I have freedom. I can do what I want to do. That doesn't make you free. So many of us are in bondage in here. And you say, what do you mean? We are literally enslaved. We are enslaved to lust. I know men who are absolutely enslaved to lust. Do you know what the statistics are? The statistics are 50% of the men here in the evangelical church have a porn addiction. They are sexually addicted. You are not free if that is true. So many of us are full of greed. You know, we can't enjoy what we have. We got to have more. We got to have more. We have the problem of more, the addiction of more. So many of us are envious. We can't be happy because we see what the Smiths have across the street. So many of us are jealous. We're full of bitter. We can't forgive. We're full of rage. We're full of pride. We're enslaved. We are enslaved. And you know what? And Satan is a master because he's a master at whispering lies to keep us enslaved. You deserve more. You deserve better. How dare that person get that raise? You worked a lot harder. And on and on. And we, we bite into it. We get more and more enslaved. And you know what? The Bible tells us that while we were enslaved, while we were full of emptiness, while we were having a meaningless, while we were wasting our lives on the American dream, Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago, very God, put on human skin. He allowed himself to be crucified on a Roman cross, and his blood was rolling down. It was not only providing forgiveness, but that cross, the reason why we rejoice in the cross is there's power. Do you realize that there is power? When you understand the power in the cross, you now can say no. You can say no, and the Holy Spirit takes over you. And because of what Jesus has done, he owns us lock, stock, and barrel. And therefore, we must honor him with our bodies and our lives. Finally, Romans chapter 14, verses 7 and 8, because we need to get moving here. We're told this, for we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it is to honor the Lord. And if we die, it is to honor the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, we belong to the Lord. Again, he's speaking to believers. If you consider yourself truly a follower of Jesus Christ, then your sole goal is to honor God. Life is not about you. Do you know the reason why most of us here in America struggle is because of entitlement? We're narcissists, and we are entitled, and it's killing us. If you grab hold, and I grab hold of this, it's not about me. 
You know what one of my greatest fears? I'll show up here Sunday morning. The only one that's going to be here is my dog, Billy. And if that's all that showed up on Sunday morning, it's good enough if that's what God says. Because it's not about you, Frank. But just don't pass it off. Because it is about us. It's killing us. That's why we're on social media. It's killing us. Don't tell me it's not about you. See, you're lying to yourself, and I'm lying to myself, and that's why we're in bondage. But see, when we grab hold of this, it's not about you, and it's not about me. Freedom begins to actually occur. And see, I'm to glorify God in my actions, in my words, and in how I die. Do you know that maybe the greatest way you will glorify God is in how you die? Have you ever thought about that? Samson did more in his death than he did in his entire life. It's what it says in the Word of God. Did you know that? You can bring great glory in the way you die. That was one of the things that just so blessed me about Mark Temple was the way that man died. That may have been his finest hour. And so, you know, if you take your life, if you commit suicide, you obviously aren't going to be pointing people to Jesus and glorifying him. I, th- I, think it's, I think it's clear just from these scriptures. I'm going to give you one more. But I think it's clear that suicide is sin. And yes, I use the word sin. It is wrong. It is against God's will for any human being. In fact, suicide is the ultimate selfish act. Did you know that? It is the ultimate selfish act, and it does reflect a narcissistic culture. It reflects a culture that says, I have my rights. I am entitled to be happy, and if I can't be happy and I can't feel good about me, then guess what? Then I'm going to show God, I'm going to show society, I'm going to show my loved ones, and I'm going to take my life. It's the ultimate act of selfishness. Now, I know I'm sure some of you here this morning think I'm being harsh, and that is not my goal. You'll say, what about those who are struggling with depression? And, and let me tell you, my wife is sitting here. There's no one here that struggles more with depression than me. So I, I really don't want to hear that, because she will tell you, every day in the morning is almost hell for me. So I do understand depression. I understand emotional illness. All right. But you know, it was interesting. When I was at Dallas Seminary, I studied under two guys, Frank B. Minereth and Paul D. Meyer. Skip, can you put up their pictures? Those are two psychiatrists. And Dr. Meyer said something very interesting in one class. We were talking about the subject of depression. And he said, men, as far as I can tell, only 5% of depression, emotional illness, has organic cause. The other 95% is environmental. You understand what he's saying there? What he is saying is that depression, chemical imbalance, emotional illness doesn't start with an organic malfunction in the brain. It starts with something in the environment. It starts with maybe something that happens to you, and it starts with how you understand it, and you understand it wrongly, and it actually begins to affect physically your brain and the chemistry in your brain. See, the greatest problem we have is how we think. 
in how we think about things, and I want you to go back to that. You think wrongly. I have something happen to me that is tragic, and I think wrongly about I think wrongly about enough. It begins to affect my brain. It means like serotonin, and I actually begin to affect my brain. So please hear me on this. If you are struggling with depression, you are thinking about suicide. Take it very seriously. And I'm saying, get help. Because, you see, if you stay depressed long enough or emotionally ill long enough, you do actually physically affect your brain chemistry. So I don't care if you had a a beginning, it wasn't an organic problem. It's now an organic problem in your brain. And you need to get help. There's nothing wrong with getting help. There are some great medications out there that can bring your chemistry level back, like your serotonin. See, then once your brainamines, your chemistry gets where it should be, then you can begin to actually deal with what caused it, your thinking, my thinking. All right, we do have to move on. I, I want to look at one final well, not really one final scripture, one very important scripture. Uh, it's, it's found in Genesis chapter 9 and verses 5 and 6. It says this, And I will require the blood of anyone who takes another person's life. If a wild animal kills a person, it must die. And anyone who murders a fellow human being must die. If anyone takes a human life, that person's life will also be taken by human hands. For God made human beings in his image. Do you understand what he's saying here? You, 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 me, are the most important thing to God on planet Earth. You carry his image. You carry his image. I carry his image. So, therefore, to murder, to even take your own life, is destroy the image of God. And God takes that seriously. You know, it's interesting, and that includes abortion. That includes abortion. You know, I found it interesting there was not one question on abortion. But let me tell you something. I'll settle the debate very quickly. The baby in the womb of a mother is a person. Let me just show you. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 139. Skip, do you you have the verses? Not have. You, now look, this is David. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex, fearfully and wonderfully made. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. They cannot be numbered. Do not tell me that the baby in a mother's womb doesn't matter. She, his rights, her rights supersede the mother's rights. Our culture's wrong. Our culture is dead wrong. Am I saying that if a woman has aborted a child, there's no hope for I'm not? You know there's good news. You know that the Apostle Paul, he was Saul of Tarsus, the Apostle Paul, he murdered, he was ISIS, he murdered hundreds if not thousands of human beings. God not only cleansed him through the blood of the cross, but he made him the Apostle Paul. 
That means there's hope for all of us. You're asking what my point is. You're, you're asking me my point. My point, my point is this, because I, I want to show you a video. My point is this. Human life is very valuable to God. Ravi Zacharias, who I appreciate, took a question and answer. He took a question from a woman, and the woman asked him about suicide. Skip, can you play that video? Hi. Um, I go to a Catholic school, and what I've picked up from what I've heard about their beliefs is that they believe that those who commit suicide go directly to hell. What can you tell me about that? Let me just say this to you. I wish I had an absolute answer to give to you. I just say this. I wouldn't want to meet the Lord after I have taken my life. And the reason is, in Genesis 9-6, murder is called the ultimate attack upon the image of God. That's what murder is. You have violated the image of God. So if I violate the image of God in someone else, or I violate it in myself, it is the ultimate act of lack of faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. So I would say I wouldn't want to meet him on those terms. I will also say this, that I cannot stand as a judge and tell the parent of an 18 or a 19-year-old where life has been wasted like that, that that's the end and that that person is hellbound. That's not my prerogative in life. I would have to leave God as that judge and leave God to work for the peace of a family that has had to live through it. I would never want, I tried that once, and I, so, it took me years to even talk about it. I never talked about it to my parents afterwards. My wife spoke to my mother and my father and said, it is so embarrassing to Ravi to even discuss it. It's easier for me to discuss it from a platform than it is to talk one-on-one across the table. The fact that I tried to take my life is a devastating thought to me. The only consolation I have is that I didn't know Christ at that time. <clears throat> now that I know him, I will never ever violate the image of God that he's given to me. If anybody is toying with the idea of taking their life, that's what I would say to them. Don't even think about it. It's the most sacred gift that God has given to you. Don't use your freedom to violate your freedom. The eternal destinies are in the hands of God. So don't think of hurting your life. He will carry you through. That's what I would tell the young person. Eternity is in his hands, and I wouldn't want to risk it on that kind of ambiguity. Okay? God bless you. I appreciate his honesty. If you don't know Ravi Zacharias, he tried to take his own life before he came to Christ, and, and God was gracious to him. And he's absolutely right. Your life is so valuable your life is so valuable. There's not a person, I don't believe there's been ever a person, and this is the challenge so the worship team can come up, but there has never been, and from what I can see in the Bible, for God desires that none should perish, there's not one person ever that God didn't desire to have a relationship with. And I guarantee you that when we die, and when we see the glory of God in the face of Jesus, and we 
experience a love that none of us, I mean, if, if you're born again, then you've had a taste of it. You've had a taste of that life. But I can't describe to you, all of a sudden, you see it face to face, you experience it and you go, wow, this is what I was created for. It's worth it. This life, it's not, there's not an iota of New Testament scripture that says life's going to be easy for us. But you, let me tell you something, because we don't get it in America. They do in India. They meet, they're in community all the time. Life is hard. Life is tough. And you need brothers and sisters praying for you every day, lifting you up, encouraging you. Don't quit. Don't Quit. But see, Satan, what he's going to do, he loves to isolate us. Then he lies to us. And before you know it, you're in knots. And you do something stupid. Don't. Don't. Lord. I really pray that we'll take to heart. This is... It's so amazing in our culture how blessed we are, yet how unhappy we are. And how empty we are. And I pray even now, Holy Spirit, we pray before this service that you would be so strong that Jesus would be being exalted, being made real, because he said, when I'm lifted up, I'll draw people. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In him is life. Oh, I pray that for every single one of us right now. Breathe, Holy Spirit, a faith within us that we can grasp that truth, I ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Love that song. Thank you. I owe all to you. I love that. Love that line. I owe all to him. I pray you feel that in your heart, that you recognize you owe all to him. Boy, if you're there, you are in great shape. Maybe you have doubts. Maybe you want to know this Jesus who can truly give you life, who can truly save you. We'll be up here in front. We'd love to talk to you about Jesus. We've got people here. We'd love to pray with you also. Please leave the chairs down, and if none of that involves you, there's always cake. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. And I pray most of all, he's Lord of your heart and Lord of your life. God bless you and take care. Hi, I'm Jeff Eckstein, one of the pastors here at Bethlehem Community Church. Welcome to our Sunday podcast, coming to you from the town of Bethlehem in upstate New York in the USA. Bethlehem Community Church is an independent, non-denominational, Bible-based evangelical church that includes people with backgrounds from many denominations. We believe that it is only through the love of the Father, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can come into a personal relationship with God. We are people truly seeking a deeper intimacy with God and with one another. If you'd like to know more about our church, please visit our website at www.bccdelmar.org. There you'll be able to find our statement of faith, as well as more about the ministry of Bethlehem Community Church. 
You'll also be able to submit prayer requests as we are called to pray with and for you. We also would love to hear your story and how you found our podcast and where you're listening from. So please visit our website and send us an email. Again, it's bccdelmar.org. That's bccdelmar.org. Thank you for joining us as we continue our pursuit of knowing God and making Him known.